Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So very quickly, we're going to start um, today, and I, I totally agree with Pastor Nigel. God is actually going to free people. Hi, Pastor Lily. Free people from things that have held you back from being exactly what God has said you should be. And power, deliverance and power to deliver doesn't always come with shouting and falling down. But the word in itself is able to deliver and is able to save and is able to transform. So whether it's in power manifestation or it's in the word or in the delivery or in the speaking, just know that God means you. And then God is going to move through you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So I want us to quickly read 2 Peter 1. So this will be like my foundation scripture. 2 Peter 1. We're going to read um, 3 to 5. And then we're going to read Luke 14, 25 to 34. 2 Peter 1. I'm going to start reading. It says, For his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full and personal knowledge of him who has called us by and to his own glory and excellence. By means of these, he has bestowed on us his precious and exceeding great promises so that through them you might escape from the moral decay, rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust and greed, and become sharers, partakers of his divine nature. For this very reason, adding to your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue, excellence, resolution, Christian energy, and in exercising virtue, develop knowledge. Praise God. Luke 14, 25 to 34. This is a parable that Jesus was giving them. And it says, a large crowd was following Jesus. And he turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who will begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone will laugh at you. They will say, there's that person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king will go to war against another king without first sitting down to, with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile, so it is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Praise God. 
my assignment here is really simple. I didn't attend the very first session, so I really don't know what the speaker mentioned. But I believe that in these next two days, you share things that will encourage you and inspire you to rebuild your life. Pastor Mo was speaking to me, and he said that the aim of this conference is to remind you that you're not supposed to enjoy being in a destroyed place. You're not supposed to be comfortable in, in a bad environment. You're supposed to know that life can be good and, get, and do what it takes to get better from it. I'm here to give you another reason why you need to rebuild your life. So Paul was speaking to, sorry, John was speaking to Gaius, and he says that, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And we know that through our scripture, God, who according to scripture is a good father, right, gives us good gifts, meaning that God does not like us to remain in the state that we are if it is not according to his will or his designed purpose for us. So for instance, if God desires that you are a 10-story building and you are one, it is the desire of God for you to become that 10-story building. It is not the desire of God for you to remain in the one-story building. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So God's desire for us is to always excel, always be, always be enriched, always be fulfilled. That is the desire of God for us. However, God's, that is not God's only desire. God desires for us to be whole because there is an assignment. There's a bigger picture that God needs us for. So a perfect example would be this. There's, we are in a war. Who agrees with me? It doesn't feel like it because like, we are here, we're on that AC lights, and there's really nice music. So it doesn't really feel like there's a war. But if you take it, your time to look around, you realize that we are in a war. Different generations have battled the same warlord, but in different ways. So our parents, they battled the demonic eras and possession and, and all those. So they battled that, right? And they experienced God of miracles, right? In our age, we are having the battle of the mind. And we have so many isms in the world to fight with. Like, if you, if you just go on social media for an hour, you need to come back, debrief, and cleanse your mind. Do you understand? Because there's so many things attacking your mind. It's so bad sometimes that you don't even know that your mind is under attack. Right? You just realize that some certain conversations that used to freak you out before, you are getting more comfortable with them. And it's becoming okay. You even catch yourself defending it. Sometimes it's because sometimes we forget that there is the battle of the mind, and the true battle is the battle for your soul, right? Because whether or not you like it, we are here on temporary basis. We are all going to pass through, and our destination is eternal life. And it's either eternal life with God or eternal life without God. So sometimes when we think of hell, it's, it's like an abstract concept that just oh my God, it's just something I don't want to be in. But we forget that eternal life without God is why it is so dangerous. It's not, it's not necessarily like the fire and all those things they used to tell us in um, burning hell. How many of you watched the film? Ah, 
It really scared me when I was small. Right? It's, it's just the fact that you are going to be without God for eternity. Right? So the point I'm trying to make is that there's a war out there and the captain of the angel armies needs battalions to send into the field, into war, to save. Whenever there's war, the reason why they spend so much money on war, okay, one of the reasons, because I, I don't know all the reasons, right? It's because it's a matter of life or death. Is people will not come out alive. Is our country would not survive if we don't win it. Or we will become slaves to another country if we lose it. The weight of a war is the casualties that may occur. That's the weight of the war. And for us, the weight of the war is we will have more and more people who will spend eternity without God if we are not sent into the field. Or we will have a lot of believers, people who will spend eternity with God, but not fulfill the current assignment to which they have been called. So the reason why you need to rebuild is because you need to go into the field to help the people out there become everything that God wants them to be. So your rebuilding is not for selfish reasons. It's not for you to just be happy that, oh my God, I'm no longer depressed. This feels really good. No, that's not where it ends. It ends where somebody else feels really good. And that person makes another person feel really good. That's what it's for. So whenever they talk to you about rebuilding the ruins, think about it in a larger picture. If not, when you gave your life to Christ, you would have died and gone to heaven to be with God. That's why Paul could confidently say, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So for Paul, it was win-win either way. And his reason, he said he's sure that God will keep him alive, which is a joy because he will go back to be a source of joy to the people that he has left behind. Do you understand? So this is anything I'm going to say today. If you forget anything, please remember that the walk of faith you've been called to is not simply a walk of enjoyment. It's, it's real. Like there are real consequences. There are real people that will actually die if you don't fulfill the things God has called you to do. They are not figures or sassy because in Nigeria, our minds have been so depraved that we do not feel death anymore. So when they tell you, so, so, and so people died in Joss or in Kaduna, but just like, oh, again, I really pray for the families. You don't really pray. You just say because it's, it's like a nice thing to say. And it's, and it's not your fault. Like, I don't really blame you. It's because you've heard one particular thing over and over and over again that it begins to lose its effect on you. But please, I beg you, in the name of the Lord, do not allow your mission on the earth to lose weight where you are concerned. Don't feel because you're not on a pulpit or with a mic on TV or social media that you're not fulfilling the gospel that you've been called to do. No. Every single soldier is important in the field. Every single soldier is, is, is as important as... I'm trying to... How many of you watch American films? No, American films, they like showing like war and they are the ones always winning no matter what happens, right? And so, but in most of these war movies, you understand that whoever they partner you up with is very, very important. 
to you. Am I right or am I right? Imagine that the person, let's say that the, um, the general sends you into the battlefield, but the partner that he gave you, right, cannot work well. What do you think will happen to your life in the battlefield? Or imagine that the person they partner you with has like a mental health condition, illness, and that person gets schizophrenic in panic times. They start seeing things. What do you think will happen to you in the battlefield? That's why you need to be whole. That's why you need to be complete. That's why you need to do things on time because of what's ahead. The war is not coming. The war has come already. And the truth is that the gospel that you have received today is on the backs of people who have died fighting for you. Right, the Bible speaks in Hebrews 11 and it says, most of the people in the hall of faith, they died without even receiving the promise because that promise was set for an appointed time, which is now. So there are people, the legacy of faith that you have been called into are people who have sacrificed their lives for what you now believe. Jesus says, no greater love, love than this, that a man should what? For that's what the definition of love is for the believer, is sacrifice, is laying down your life, both figuratively and sometimes literally, putting your life on the line so that somebody else can receive Christ. Praise God. So the first thing I would like to talk about this morning is knowledge. Why is knowledge important? And why is knowledge of God something to look forward to? Also, we'll be answering the question, why does God invite us to know him first? I'm going to ask you a simple question. How many of you have related to somebody based on what you know about the person? You've never met the person before. We just told you that, ah, that person is fire, fire, fire. And you just meet the person and you're already apprehensive, defensive. You don't want to talk too much. You have already carefully choosing your words because of what you know about the person. How many people? Okay. Has it also happened to you that when you finally meet the person and speak to the person, you realize that the person is not what they said the person is, and it changes how you behave around the person, right? So it's the same person, though. The person not changing two seconds. Your reaction, your perception your belief, your behavior, your approach, your thinking, your everything was hinged on the knowledge that you had about that person. And this is why God invites us to know him first. Before you go and do anything for God, you need to know the God you are doing these things for so that you know you have the approach, the right perspective, you will have the right passion, the right burden, the right understanding to do the things that you are doing, that you do, do what you are doing, basically. Do you understand? Knowledge is important. Knowledge is so crucial because if you are doing something that you don't know, you are causing more harm than good. I remember as a child, you know, Gragra used to do children a lot. I don't know. We used to look forward to adults who now want to go back. And I remember that my mom would send me on an errand. And before I've even listened to the errand completely, I've already taken off. 
right? I've gone. Then when I get to the place, they will ask you, um, why are you here? <laughs> and then you now realize that, oh, you need to really get the message. You just said, go to so and so house. But do you know what happens then? First of all, after feeling embarrassed, you have to do what? Get the real message and then... So the amount of time you would have spent going back and forth, the energy, the zeal, the enthusiasm, everything has gone down because you do not have accurate what? You do not have accurate information. You have accurate knowledge. And God, being a good father, will not send you to the field without accurate knowledge. I keep going back to the analogy of war. With, with a wrong battle strategy, with a wrong knowledge, you are at risk of failure when you get to the battlefield. You cannot send a soldier to war that did not attend the class for assembling a weapon. But he attended all the other classes, you know, but he just didn't, you know, something happened. He couldn't make the, that, that particular class. But you now say, no, no problem. All of you just gather on the field, you know, you, you will learn on the job. This, this kind of job, eh, you cannot learn it. <laughs> on the job. Praise God. So knowledge is important. Knowledge is actually the very first key step to everything. In, in school one time, we learned that perception is not reality, but perception is everything, and knowledge fuels perception, right? Even this Christian work that we're all working with, what you know about God fuels your perception of the work that God has called you to do. If you see God as a taskmaster and a punisher and you approach his work that way, it's because of the knowledge of God that you have. The knowledge of God that was given to you either by preaching or by experience or by study is what you use to approach the things that God has called you to. And that's why accurate knowledge is important. That's why every time God invites us to know him personally, intimately, experientially, so that the knowledge that you have of him will fuel what it is that he has called you to do. Do you understand why knowledge is important? You cannot do anything without knowledge. There are some things that you wanted to do, but now that you have grown and you've had more knowledge, you realize that those things are not for you. Is there anybody here like that? You wanted to be a social media influencer, you now realize that it's not an easy work, it's not beans, that is really hard. Then you now realize that after struggling to get 10 followers, one million is a lot. Maybe this calling is not for me. <laughs> and then you move on. It's because of knowledge. Sometimes, if the, not only, if the only knowledge you have about something is the end product and not the process, then you are, going to, you, are, you are heading towards failure. You are going to grow downwards. You are not going to grow upwards. Because the, the concept or the idea that God has for process is not to suffer you, but it's so that you can grow stage by stage, and so you can be everything when you get there. The children of Israel went on an, a 40-year journey of something that was 11 days, and what, the, what was the reason I said in the Bible? God wanted to remove Egypt out of them. So knowledge is important, and don't play with your knowledge we have the, we have the, God has given us the choice to decide who gives us knowledge, how we receive knowledge. And so listening to every and anything is not for you. Eating all kinds of food is not always a good diet. Eating everything is not even a diet. 
is a steady and progressive path towards obesity. Amen. Forever the word is for. Amen. <laughs> so you have to think about your growth in God. First of all, let me, let me address this foundation. If you are a believer, like you truly believe in God, you give your life to Christ. When you die, you are going to go to heaven. Is a sure path, right? So stop worrying about getting to heaven. You will go when it's time. Worry about what you have to do now before you go and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. A child does not worry about going home when there is vacation. They worry about the results they are going to give their parents when they get home. They will go home. The child will not be standing at school gates like, will they come and pick me today? Will they not come and say, oh my God, I did not do my assignment well. No, going home is, is a sure thing because you have good parents as you have a good father in God. But you need to be able to come back home with a good report and say, I have done everything that you've asked me to do. I was steadfast. I was faithful. Because you will not hear, well done, good and faithful preacher or ambassador or PhD holder. You will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That means you must know what you are in service for. So I move on from here to, okay, I will hear that knowledge has often been described as light, meaning that knowledge allows you see clearly. We often use the phrase, I don't want to go in blind, as an indication that knowledge gives you sight. Okay, so the more accurately we know God, the more clearly we can see him. And the more of him we see, the more of him we can respond to. The more of him we respond to, the closer we get. And the more intimate we get, the more we begin to look like him. Praise God. And our goal, our goal as First Corinthians, and Paul says in First Corinthians is that as we behold the image of Christ, we grow daily into him. We grow from glory to glory. We begin to look more like him, which is the goal, which is the goal that we begin to look more and more like Christ daily. Praise God. So accurate knowledge is important. Accurate knowledge is important. It's, it's gone are the days where you quote somebody more than you quote the Bible itself. Gone are the days where you, you will say your belief in something is simply based on what somebody else has said. It's called third-party information. And that's not for you as a believer because you have free access to the Word of God and you must treasure the access that you have because not everybody has this. The desire for the Word of God should be born out of the fact that you have had a priceless treasure. The Bible, Jesus was speaking and he says the kingdom of God is like a man who goes to a field and finds a priceless treasure. He goes back and sells everything that he has so that he can buy that property. You need to evaluate what your faith means to you if it is worth doing everything you can to know God well. So when you go back home, sit down and ask yourself, do I truly want to be a Christian? Let's start from there. The Bible says in the scripture that I read that no one building a house does not sit down first to count the cost. You must count the cost of what it means to follow Christ. He says, if you don't do that, you cannot be my disciples. The very scripture here says, 
Jesus turned to them and said, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. When they use the phrase, giving your life to Christ, do you think they mean it literally or figuratively? <laughs> it's all together. When you are giving your life to Christ, you literally give your life to Christ. That's why Paul could say, it is no longer but that lives in me. And the life I live, I now live of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus gave his life for us and we have given our lives to him. Jesus has shown us what it means to lay down your life for a cause, for a people, and we are to follow his example to do the same. But you will not be willing to lay your life down for something that you don't know very well. I, I remember hearing a story once and it says that there was a, there was a man who um, God had been calling into the field for mission work. And for some reason, the man just felt like God was calling him to China. And he just resisted the call for such a long time. I think it was like years or like proper years, maybe like five or 10 years. And he kept, and God, God kept calling him. And then when he finally said, okay, I'm tired of this, your disturbance, Lord. Anyway, you send me go. And then God was like, you, you, you never really sat down to hear where I was sending you. So I, I didn't say I was sending you to China. I just wanted to know how willing you are to go wherever I send you. And that's the point where you are now. See, your life is no longer your own. There's a blueprint for your life. There's a calling on your life. And it's not tomorrow, one of the things that the Lord is leading me towards tomorrow is to understand why you are the one for the job you've been called to. Why is you? Why it's not somebody else? Right? God knows you. He was speaking to, I think it's Jeremiah, says, before you were formed, I knew you and I called you. God understands your frailties and your vulnerabilities and everything that you're going to, but he still chose to call you. God always meets us where we are, but he never leaves us where we are. You must always, God does not come down to our level. God brings us up to his level and then uses us from there. But then God is patient and God will take the time it requires to rebuild you until you are ready to go to the field. But how long do you think it should take for God to rebuild you until the people who need you can see you? And that decision is yours to take. Praise God. So I'm going to um, pick three case studies very briefly and then just talk about accurate knowledge. So the first person is Moses and I know that a lot of us know the story of Moses, right? Moses was um, taught the ways of the Egyptians from the age, from, from birth. So I know contrary to the Prince of Egypt cartoon, right? Moses did not meet God at a tender age. He did not know Yahweh. His mom, according to like history, if you, if you do the study, they had weaned him at 24 months. So his mom was not even necessary in his life after 24 months. How many of you remember what you did when you were 24 months old? You remember what you learned, you know, your friends, who you interacted with? 
okay. You know, all those aunties that are like, ah, uh -uh, you don't remember me. I carried you when you were small. I'm just like, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So Moses was not, he did not know God, even though that was his heritage, right? And that was his birthright, but he did not know God. And even though he, according to the accounts of Moses, you know, he fought for justice because a man killed another man and he had to run away. God had to reveal himself to Moses before sending Moses out. So please don't run on another person's fire. Don't see somebody doing things for God and decide that that's what you want to do. No, it's God that assigns you and it's God that sends you. And you must understand, you must know what you are going out for. It's just like you studied in, in, in let me look for one serious course. You studied like engineering in school. Then you now, you now wrote on your CV that you're an excellent chef. What if they hire you? Pastor, you said she has hired some like that. We shall receive the testimonies of great joy. Very Do you understand? It's one of the reasons why you, in, in the body of Christ, we find a lot of people complaining, suffering burnout, suffering dissatisfaction, suffering going from one place to another, restless. It's because they don't understand what the assignment is. They don't understand why they are being planted in a particular place, why they are being rooted. It's just like, don't go to church because you are feeling the vibe. That's not why you are here, right? The, God calls us together so that every joint will supply so that we can prepare the body for the work of ministry. So you don't go because, ah, I, I like their music here. I'm going to stay. That's not why you are here. The music is not going to prepare what you need for the work of ministry outside. So God has to assign you to a place. And that's why if God says, this is where you are going to grow, Anything that happens, you stay because you know that your growth is there. If the pastor is mismaving, God will. You cannot deal with somebody more than God. You cannot. I have proof. Ask those that lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. You cannot deal with somebody more than God. So focus on the assignment that God has called you to in a place. How many of you here know more than God? Like there was a time you did him tutorials when... <laughs> No, you cannot, you cannot know more than him. He that has called you and has created you and has mapped your beginning and the date of your end knows exactly what he's doing when it comes to you. Praise God. So you must understand that God, I was, I was saying all these things because I was giving the story of Moses and that Moses, even though he had a birthright and an inheritance and a heritage that was godly, God still had to reveal himself to Moses before sending Moses out. Praise God. The next assignment I'm going to use is that of Paul, Saul, Tom, Paul. Paul knew God, but he did not know God accurately. So even when he was zealous for God and persecuting the Christians, he was doing it out of his love for God and out of his passion for the knowledge of God that he had. And that's why God, have you ever wondered how God was able to speak to Saul and he heard him? Did it ever cross your mind that he, Paul, Saul, Paul, heard God, but the other people around, and he recognized the voice 
And God said to him, Saul, so why are you persecuting me? And said, who, like he recognized the voice. There's one question I'll ask Pastor Mo after this and Pastor Isin, maybe they can help me, is how um, Cain was still hearing God after what he did. I'll ask them later, they will help me uh, figure, <laughs> figure that one out. But Paul knew God, but the knowledge of God he had was inaccurate. And for the assignment that God was calling him for, God could not send somebody out with an inaccurate knowledge of him. Because he was going to take the knowledge of God he had to people who did not even have access to the knowledge of God before. So imagine somebody that does not know maths, teaching you maths. That's what they do to coppers a lot. Someone that did not study something, they will just send them to school to teach anything. Do you understand? Imagine that you are learning English for somebody that don't, doesn't speak English. Yes. That's what happens when you go out on an assignment without an accurate knowledge of God. God had to reveal himself to Paul, had to teach him before sending him for what he had called him out to. So I'm just listing out um, case studies of different parts of knowledge. Do you understand? The first was Moses. He had no knowledge. Then he gained knowledge. Then he went on an assignment. Paul had knowledge, but his knowledge was inaccurate, and he had to gain accurate knowledge, and then he went out for the assignment. The third person is David. David had accurate knowledge, but he had to grow in his knowledge. You must understand that you cannot know everything right now, and that there's growth when it comes to your knowledge. So you must be willing and humble enough to discard what you know when a higher knowledge comes. So David knew God as a shepherd boy. He knew God as a warrior. He knew God as a king. He knew God enough to even practice the things that only priests could do. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you must be aware that what you know now is not everything that there is to know. There are some things that you have learned by true experience or your work with God now. And when you see something that challenges it, instead of you to sit down and ask God if this is something that I should pay attention to, you are hell-bent on the knowledge that you have that you refuse to grow. And we can see that a lot in the body of Christ. And I'm, I'm not going to, you know the examples, but I'm here to encourage you not to be the same. Maybe at one time you thought that scaring people can get them to heaven. And then you realize that the gospel of Jesus is born of love, not out of fear. It doesn't mean that you say, ah, I've already told like 15 people this thing. No, if I change mouth now, my reps will go down. So you, you dig your heels on a particular knowledge that you've already gained a higher knowledge from. You are doing yourself an injustice. And God will not, God will wait for you where you last stopped. He will wait. Let it take 25 years. God will wait where you last stopped because you are so valuable. God is more interested in building character and growth and building you than he is about any other thing that you are doing for him. Praise God. So... In conclusion, hmm. I want us to 
Let's read 1 Corinthians 13, 9. So, Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church and he says, um, prophecy and speaking, from verse 8, prophecy and speaking unknown tongues and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. The reason why I read that is to, under, to let you know that all you know is not all there is to know. And you must be willing to grow in your knowledge. You must be willing to leave a particular level that you are and move up. Some, for, every, for every stage that you grow to, you're going to start from the beginning. So there, must always, there will always be a humbling period for you when you are learning something new. If you are learning something new, let's say you, you had a first class in primary school, right? You are still going to start from JS1 when you are moving to a higher level. You are not going to move from primary six to SS3 because you had first class. Do you understand? You are going to start from, for every new level of knowledge you are going to acquire, there will be a humbling process. You must realize that all you know is not all there is to know, and you must be willing to learn. I will just give you a very small example from my personal life. When I was in 100 level, God wanted to teach me a small lesson about pride. So when I was in university, I was 100 level. I don't used to, if I go to class and lecture, I doesn't come 30 minutes. After the time he said he was coming, I'm going to leave. So my class rep will come. Ah, the lecturer has come. I'll just be like, class was for 12. This is 12.30. I'm out. <laughs> so so prior, <laughs> prior to university, I hadn't failed any exam in my life. Like I had always skilled. So I just thought that, Life will continue, you know, that way. So I, I, I don't used to talk to my classmates, you know, from class like this. After class, I would just leave. I would go to my hostel, go to church, come back. That was my life. So <laughs> I, I made, at least I made a friend in school. So when results, you know, in Nigerian University now, when results come, they will paste it for <laughs> everybody to see. So they were like, ah, results are out. So come and check your results. I was just like, you can check it and let me know. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's the pride level. God, so I didn't even want to go check myself. My matric number said was 0001. So I used to like things on time. So the person now went to check my results, now called me. And I said, ah, it's like there's a mistake <laughs> in your results. So I was just like, no, they can't be. Say, ah, it looks like it's because I, I see a carryover, but I'm not sure that. Is for you. So I went to school. I checked the result by myself, humbly. You know. At least then the crowd had dispersed. Carry over. I went to my course, this thing. It was really real, like it was not even a joke. And what had happened was I signed up for an elective course and I took a different exam. So you know how electives in school, there are different electives from different departments. So you pick one. So I picked one, and I was attending classes for something else that I thought that I had picked. So I wrote that exam. And they didn't even tell me that people from your department don't. And I was the only one from my department. It did not occur to me. I just felt like, oh, special. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So after that experience, I humbled myself under the mighty hand of God. <laughs> so that in due time, I went to school. I just said, well, who are the most brilliant people in school? One, two, three, four, five. They became my friends. After school, I don't used to rush and go anywhere. <laughs> I follow them humbly. And I will learn everything that I used to learn. My, if my lecturers take 50 hours, I will sit down patiently and wait. Because I did not want a repeat example. And the truth is that God sends people your way as gifts. God sends knowledge your way in, in ways that you do not expect from children, from the less educated or the less influential. You must not box God in the way that he wants to teach you. You learn every time, everywhere. And you must always see people as image bearers of God. You cannot limit somebody's knowledge because of how they look. You must always see God in people and how God sees them for you to learn from them. You must be humble. See, humility, pride, eh? there's the showing one and there's the one that is not showing. There's the one that you're like, oh, I cannot do this, it's pride. But there's the one that after somebody has talked to you, like, I can't have to to mine. I don't know how I am. He did not say it outside. But it's inside. And God, God resists the proud. That's what the Bible says. But he gives grace to the humble for the knowledge that you are missing, that you are looking for, the understanding that is just that link between where you are, where you are and where you are going. God will give you grace if you are humble to find that knowledge, to find that missing puzzle, to find that missing clue. God will give you grace if you are humble. I wonder how that Balaam was that God had to use donkey to talk to him because it's like he was not hearing words. Do you understand? <laughs> a, a, a donkey had to open mouth and say, uh-uh, why are you beating me? <laughs> you cannot see that somebody is going to kill you in the front. Don't be like that because we don't have many donkeys in Nigeria. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and I'll read um, finally this passage. says, Proverbs 4, 20, 27 says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole bodies. Praise God. Praise God. So we'll continue from here tomorrow. But I want to say lastly, that allow the Holy Spirit to be your first teacher. Do not allow anybody be your first teacher than the Holy Spirit. Let people in your life confirm the things that the Holy Spirit has said to you. Or if they are hearing it from people the first time, let the Holy Spirit confirm. You know, the, Bible, the scriptures refer us to the Berean Christians that always go back to research the things that they've heard. So it is not only in things of the Word of God or in things that pertain to faith, but for everything that you learn, Always find out if the Holy Spirit is in it. The Holy Spirit is not only the God of the Bible. He's the God of the whole world. He's the God of everything that's in it. So he's knowledgeable about the aspects of the whole world, of every single thing. So sometimes we reserve the Holy Spirit of matters of deep revelation. But it's also deep revelation. The Holy Spirit is telling you that you are talking too much. It's also deep revelation. The Holy Spirit can tell you, you know, speaking to Peter, it says, when you go there, don't worry about to say when you go there, but I will give you what to say. So sometimes you are going for an interview or a job 
or a meeting or something, the Holy Spirit is able to give you what to say, even if the language does not have maybe John 3.16 in it. So allow the Holy Spirit be your first teacher. Sorry, I have one last scripture to read. Let's go to Isaiah 61. I just want to show you the impact of what, when you... This was a prophecy of Isaiah, of Jesus Christ. And I, really, I believe that the principles apply to us because Jesus says that we should go and do, he says, greater things than he has done that we'll do. And he was, um, as I was speaking of, of the Messiah, he says, the spirit of the Lord, of the sovereign love is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim the captive, that the captives will be released and the prisoners will be free. He has sent you to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it that the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes and a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks and the Lord, that the Lord has planted for his glory. This is what will happen when you go with accurate knowledge to give the words of God to the people that he has called you to. This is what will happen to the people that you speak to. It says they will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Praise God. So because you comforted the brokenhearted, because you brought liberty to the prisoners, to the captive, they now have capacity to rebuild the old ruins, to restore desolate cities. So you speak to one person, and that one person is restoring cities that was deserted for a long time ago. You speak to one person, and that person becomes a nation, liberating communities. Jesus spoke to one woman at the well, and she went and she was a messenger over 10 cities one woman at a well. He didn't even have to go through Samaria to go where he was going, but because he was on assignment. I want to encourage you this morning. Do not take your knowledge for granted. Always be on a quest for adequate knowledge, for true knowledge, because you understand the implications of knowing things right. You understand that when you build, you do not just build so that you are a fortress. You build so that you are a fortress that protects people that come under it. Understand that you are called for something more, for something greater. You are a soldier in an army. You have the Lord of the angels army who is calling you to send you out to the field because lives and souls depend on it. See yourself as God sees you, important enough to rescue nations, cities, systems, cultures, mindsets. Generations unborn can rise to thank you for following the call of God over your life. So please understand today that you need to be whole. You need to be complete. You need to put yourself together. And the, quick, the more, the quicker, that's the English word, you do it, the faster somebody else will get their own life on track. Praise God. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.